Now, my friends, how does one become transformed? How does holiness come into the life of a non-Christian and changes the entirety of his or her life? I tell you, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the gospel. And it's these exhortations and the authoritative commander-in-chief who's giving such exhortations. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part two of Pastor Lance Quinn's three-part series, Receiving Our Spiritual Marching Orders. Pastor Lance's text for this series is the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4. Now, titling this series, Receiving Our Spiritual Marching Orders, suggests we're living under the authority of someone. And you may have noticed that at present, the concept of living under authority is not highly popular. Some may not want to be under authority and say, well, doesn't Jesus just tell us that we can be free? Well, sorry, following Christ is about being under authority, and we need to understand whose authority compels us. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, is careful to tell his readers who's in charge. It's here in chapter 4, verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Following Christ, who was God incarnate, is about obeying and pleasing Him. And Paul is writing these exhortations based on the leading of his Savior and Lord. Here's part two of Receiving Our Spiritual Marching Orders. You know what Paul's doing here? He's not just, you know, this first phrase, you read this, and, and you're like me if you're, if you're a Bible reader and you're reading your Bible either through the year or, or perhaps you're reading First Thessalonians because we're studying through it and, and you're reading so fast, you read it like this. Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus. And then we just move right on to the hortatory section, the, the command section, the principle section, right? Uh, sexual purity. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stop, pause, think, ponder, consider. We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, by the Lord Jesus, with the full authority of the Lord Jesus. This is incredibly important because this is the person from whom I receive my marching orders. That's how important this is. This is an incredibly important indication of whose marching orders they are. This is why when you're reading in your Bibles, this is sort of an aside here, when you're reading in your Bibles, when you read these little phrases, in Christ or in the Lord or by the Lord's plan or purpose or will, don't brush that aside as though it's ho-hum. I read this all the time. It seems like the New Testament is filled with in Christ or do this for the Lord or by the Lord or in the Lord or through the Lord. You know, You might say it like this, the number of times something is mentioned like this probably means the opposite of what we might assume. Yeah, yeah, got that, move on, go to the meaty portions. Uh, Go to uh, what I'm supposed to do or not do. Instead, I say, because of the oft-repeated nature of these things, that's probably actually emphasizing its level of importance. So every time you read something like that, I ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, stop and say, whose authority am I under? The Lord Jesus. Look over at chapter 1, verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians. You want to see this authority perspective? I'll show you. This is the regal authority of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I mean, right off the bat, right in the first verse of the first chapter, we're being told this is the church who are in God, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I tell you, there is so much theology in the prepositions. So much good can come out of these prepositions. So much authority is invested by way of these prepositions in God, in God the Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6 of chapter 1. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Verse 8, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you. Think of that. The word of the Lord sounding forth. Not your word, not my word. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, Jesus, the end of verse 10, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. He's authoritative. He's in charge. That's why I say the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, because He is King. King, I tell you. Lord of lords, King of kings. Paul doesn't use throwaway phrases. Don't don't skip the first part of a verse to get to the next part of the verse. This is telling us that Jesus Christ is alive and in charge. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus. This is so very important. All these verses are signaling the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read to you chapter 3, so that he may establish you, verse 13, your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. This is like an epic theater moment that you and I are going to be presented before our watching God and Father and before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the theater of His glory. This is why it's important for you and I not to miss whose authority is commanding us to sexual purity and love and to understand the second coming and to submit to our leaders and to pray, and all of the other commands of these two chapters. That's why this is so very important. I mean, can you and I not see it? Is our world not sexually reckless to the hilt? And who's to say that when you and I talk to non-Christians, that we, upon the basis of our pride or our arrogance or our boastfulness that they shouldn't be involved in such sexual sins just because you and I tell them not to? Is that going to be authoritative enough to them? Is that going to be enough for them to say, oh, I repent in dust and ashes. I've been sexually sinning and I ought to stop right now. Tell me how to do it. Tell me what I can do to stop this this sexually terrible exposure to all kinds of not only sexual diseases, but dishonoring myself and those around me, and the watching world needs to see something different from me. Uh, Help me, disciple me, talk to me, uh, let me figure out how to live rightly in this sexually crazed world. Upon whose authority are we saying such a thing? Do you think you go on your own authority? We're going to snap back at you and say not what I just said, but something like this. Who do you think you are? Who are you? That's just your opinion. 
And your response is, as a Christian, I follow my marching orders under the allegiance and command of the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, they're going to say, I don't. So, there you go. To which you and I say, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13 says that one day Jesus himself will come to this earth to judge the living and the dead, and in that regal authority, he will determine who were his true subjects. And part of the answer as to who his true subjects are, are the ones who are manifestly following his marching orders, right? You want to You want to see some marching orders under the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ for preachers? I mean, we're talking about, you know, sexual sin here in the first section of 1 Thessalonians 4, and then he'll talk about love, and then he'll talk about the coming of the Lord, and he'll talk about, you know, esteeming your leaders, and and then your own praying and rejoicing and giving thanks and all of these other things that'll come. But do you want to see the demand upon the preacher? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Do you want to see the authoritative, and this is not inference, this is explicit declaration in 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is what I am called to do, and so are you if you're following the Lord Jesus Christ and you're following the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ through the preacher. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, notice this, notice the solemnity here, the sobriety here, I charge you, this is Paul to Timothy now, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, i.e., don't preach anything else but the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth, and wander off into myths. As for you, implied Timothy, Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And Paul then speaks about himself, verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, that is, the crown which is righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Did you read, did you hear the audience of the marching orders for preaching the Word? Here's the audience. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. This is the authoritative person telling the human person, the preacher, what his marching orders are. This is no option. This is what we're called upon to do as the preacher from the king, King Jesus the regal authority. This is how I'm setting you up now for these commands that are going to come. Sexual purity, love. As we go through these two chapters, this is the setup, my friends. This is the setup. We have the regal, authoritative word of the Lord Jesus Christ when we are asked, demanded, urged, entreated in the Lord Jesus about something. So that's the regal authority. How about number two? Number two, Let's call it the received authority of the apostles of Christ. 
not merely or only the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, because the fact of the matter is, as I said before, you and I have not seen Christ by the eye. Now, we have by the eye of faith, haven't we? But not the physical eye. We've not seen Christ. And that's why it's so easy, I think, at times for people to say, well, how can you say that you're following the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ when you've never seen him? That's why Peter says, though you have not seen him, you what? You love him and you believe in him. Well, then somebody else is going to come along and say, okay, but though you haven't seen him, this faith you're talking about, this belief you're talking about, though you have not seen him, you love him and believe in him, that's coming out of your own mind. That's coming out of your own heart. You're just choosing to do that. But I'm not choosing to do that. I'm choosing to do something else. I'm choosing to follow Hare Krishna. I'm choosing to follow the the dictates of the Buddha. And, And on and on it could go. Name your religion. Name your philosophy. Name your opinion. Even name yourself as your own authoritative grid upon which what you will choose to do or not do. Is that not our world? Is that not what we do? Is that not what we see? And this is what's happening Paul is setting them up, my friends. He's saying, look, I'm not going to give you these exhortations unless I tell you from whom they come. And they're coming from both the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and now he says, from us. You see it at the end of verse 1? That as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Boy, isn't that loaded? How you ought to walk and please God. What a loaded phrase. You mean like all of my walk? Yes, all of your walk. You mean about pleasing God in totality? Yes, by pleasing God in totality. Yes, here it is. That as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing that you do so more and more. And I love that. I love that. You say, why do you love that? Because the Apostle Paul is not condemning them for actions of sin and a lack of response. He's actually commending them. Not condemning them, commending them. And and this encourages me because remember, these Thessalonians are in pagan Gentile territory, right? And they've been following a multiplicity of gods. And those gods are arbitrary and capricious. And they'll say, if you do this, then I'll bless you in this way. And if you do this, I'll bless you in this way. And some of those are even gods who are set up in terms of their sexuality, and and they're having them do all kinds of sexually impure and lurid acts as pagan people. And now Paul comes into town, and he tells them, as does his ministry colleagues, no, it's not those multiplicity of gods. It's only the one God and the one person of the Lord Jesus Christ who is your king for which you must have your sexuality be a different course of action. Now, that's a hard sell, my friends. That's a hard sell. You mean to tell me what I've been involved with and what I've been taught and what I do is not right? It's not honoring? It's not holy? And Paul says, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And I'm telling you by the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, you must conduct yourself sexually in ways that your pagan, lurid, Gentile past suggests otherwise. Now, my friends, how does one become transformed? 
How does holiness come into the life of a non-Christian and changes the entirety of his or her life? I tell you, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the gospel. And it's these exhortations and the authoritative commander-in-chief who's giving such exhortations. And because of this, the Bible is telling us here so very clearly that they got the message. They got the message. And the Holy Spirit came into their life, and, and the gospel is so transforming them that they are saying, I don't care what I was doing sexually before, here's the right way to live, and I'm doing this. And Paul says, I commend you, and the only thing I'm telling you is to excel still more in what you're doing to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not encouraging? I tell you it's encouraging in two ways. Number one, this is the new Christian ethic, and it's the only way to live, and it's the only way to be God-blessed. And secondly, he's telling them what is obviously, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he writes these words, he's telling them what is obviously true about them, which means change can happen. Change can happen. You ever been in a counseling situation as a Christian friend to another, and, and they are abject, fearful, that person you're sitting across from, that they can't change? Someone who says, I've been living a, a homosexual lifestyle, and I, I can't change. It's a part of me. It's inbred within me. I don't have the capacity or the power, or so it seems to me to change. And if you say to them, have you been changed by the power of the living, risen Christ? Yes, I have then here's your answer. You can change. You can change by the power of the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Word of God. And when, in fact, they begin from the discipleship that you give them to know the authoritative, the regal authoritative Word of Jesus Christ in the text of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 to 8, about the sexual purity that they are supposed to manifest, and when they get a hold of the real understanding of this passage and others, and they begin to apply such a passage, then change occurs. It can happen. And it's happening to them because Paul says, you've been walking and pleasing God in this area of sexual purity and I'm only asking that you do so more and more. What an encouragement. We can change. We can be different people than the way we were. How liberating is that? And it can happen. But you say, okay, help me with the authoritation thing. Help me with that. Because in the sexual area particularly, I don't know how many times I've tried to change. And I don't know how many times I've failed. Please help me. Help is there, my friend. And it's contained, believe it or not, in that phrase, that as you received from us. You say, give me a little bit more help than that. That as you received from us, that's the help. Here it is. The regal authority of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, is now being passed down to the authoritative Paul. And Paul, under the design and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing down words in a letter to the Thessalonians that Paul believes will help 
them excel still more and more. You say, well, that's, that's clearly an inference from the text. Because did you get all of that out of that as you receive from us? How to walk and please God? That, that's what you're getting out of there? Let me explain something to you. Do you see that word received there? You received from us? This is most interesting. That is, that is actually, my friends, either a bona fide technical phrase or a semi-technical phrase, the word received, that means that we are receiving from Christ through Paul in this letter God's way of telling us how to live the sexual ethic, how to love, how to understand the second coming, how to pray, how to esteem our leaders. This is a very interesting way of talking when Paul says, what you receive from us. And remember I told you, if you just sort of move yourself away from that verse to get into the guts of the passage, you err because remember, this receiving means something, right? Every word of God is pure. It means something in the text. And the very word received means something like this, to pass down, tradition, a good deposit, to deliver, to pass on. You say, you've got to show me that. Okay, look in your Bibles at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is so important, my friends. Don't tune me out. Just listen. I'm making a case here, and the case is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 says this. Now, I commend you, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the what? What does it say there? Traditions. Traditions, even as I delivered them to you. Traditions, oh, that's very interesting. That's a very interesting word, isn't it? Because, in a sense, we might have been brought up even as Christians to think that traditions might be a bad thing. And in many ways and in many contexts, even with religions, tradition is a bad thing. Remember, Jesus actually said to the scribes and Pharisees, why do you subvert the Word of God for the sake of your traditions? But I'm telling you, Paul uses traditions or this word delivered as I delivered them to you or as what you received, talking about the one who's receiving the deliverance of the information. These are power-packed words that actually have become so technical in the New Testament that it's talking about the written revelation of Scripture. Traditions, the Word of God. This is what's been passed down. This is what's been passed on. This is the good deposit. This is the content of truth. This is instruction. See, all of that is freighted in this Word, which is to say that Paul is a bona fide apostolic authority derived from the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. You say, now, I agree with that. I agree Paul's a Bible writer. I believe Paul's authoritative. Well, guess what? The liberal and the moderate branch of Christianity does not think so. You are listening to Timeless Truth Today. All of us are followers. Christians, by definition, follow the exhortations of Jesus Christ, as given to us in Scripture, for example, in the New Testament, by His apostles John, Paul, and Peter. If you're not following Christ, you are following someone or something. 
Is it the desires of your mind or love of money or maybe the attention of the crowd? Jesus is calling us to follow him for his burdens are light and he leads us to peace and holiness. To learn more about following Jesus, visit our website, timelesstruthtoday.org. On the homepage, select Broadcast, and there you'll find a treasury of teachings from Pastor Lance. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Lance Quinn, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. While you're on our website, timelesstruthtoday.org, would you consider financially supporting this radio ministry and help reach thousands of hungry hearts with the good news of Jesus? It's on our homepage, timelesstruthtoday.org, that you select Donate, and there you can make a gift of any size. Thank you. Listen tomorrow, it's part three and the conclusion of our series, Receiving Our Spiritual Marching Orders. For Timeless Truth Today, I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening.